Hello, and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's our goal to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions better understand each other, with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. I think this next interview really underscores that topic. Eric Kaiser and I had the pleasure of interviewing Josh Tiekel. He's founder of SmartAC.com. Josh has envisioned, developed, and built a straightforward, easy-to-install tech product that enables smart maintenance plans. Now, before you kind of go crazy with, you've heard this before, be patient. Listen here and listen to Josh. He describes that the net result for HVAC and plumbing companies for them to maximize their revenue by dramatically increasing membership, service plan membership, conversion rates, lowering the customer attrition. You're not going to lose those customers because you're taking care of them and eliminating zero fee truck rolls. This is data you can use before spending money to do other things. SmartAC.com is an air conditioning and heating health monitoring platform that digitizes the experience of AC ownership for the consumer but also for the contractor. It helps to extend equipment life to keep it out of trouble and saves homeowners money by proactively noticing the need for HVAC maintenance and also alerting the users, the consumers, and service providers of potential breakdown before it occurs. You've heard this all before, but really take a listen. The sensors monitor cooling and heating performance, airflow, air filter life, and drain lines to ensure the health of all these critical HVAC components. Membership begins at a very low rate monthly. It includes a lifetime warranty on the hardware. You don't have to buy the hardware. Daily system health checks, discounted air filters, active water leak monitoring. That's really important. That can make a mess really quickly. In real-time chat with certified HVAC experts in monthly system health reports. Literally, 10-minute setup, no tools, no wiring. Okay, there's some links in the show notes to Josh's LinkedIn profile, also to the technology aspect, and some interviews with Ken Goodrich and Jim Bergman and others to tell you about the impact of this unique tech. So let's get in to this interview with Josh, talking about utilizing smart maintenance plans to benefit your customers and your business. Welcome, everyone, to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. I'm Eric Kaiser, and virtually next to me is Bill Spohn and today's guest, Josh Tiekel from SmartAC. Take it away, Bill. Thanks, Eric, for the introduction there, and thanks, Josh, for joining us. It's been a long time, not a long time, but been trying to arrange this, so you apparently are a busy guy. What's consuming your time lately? Well, running a startup will do that. It doesn't matter what stage, but as we get bigger, there is a lot more and the team does a great job of taking a lot off the plate. But yeah, trying to grow the business and sign key relationships. So whale hunting is most of my job right now. But yeah, it's been exciting and this year's I feel like a lot of the things we've been imagining would happen at scale are starting to happen. So it's been really fun. Nice. So take us on a little journey here about your background and then what is this startup that you're working on? Yeah, so my background, engineering originally, but really entrepreneurship and sales is my passion. And so I started my first company in 09 doing backyard makeovers, back pool decks, patios, driveways, outdoor kitchens, things of that nature, and developed a love of selling to homeowners, honestly, in the home especially, but however you sell to them. And so I built that company to 
20, 30 million pretty quickly over four or five years, and then actually set up a group of my best friends in the world to keep growing that company. So we just hit a knocking on the door of 60 million this year. So I own that business, but I don't operate it anymore. Haven't for about six years. So my background is really not in the trades, but selling to homeowners and then had the opportunity to get into technology, which is really where I wanted to be for a lot of different reasons and in the HVAC space. And so I very quickly understood that there were some huge opportunities with utilizing technology to grow those type businesses, HVAC and plumbing. And so originally worked on an energy savings device that some of you guys have heard of. I won't spend time there, but it did have some data capabilities built into it. And so the market spoke very quickly and said, we really would love to have a user-friendly option for understanding the health of HVAC systems remotely. And so since that time, about four and a half years ago, have been working on all the stages of bringing a product to market, six, seven months of research, and then just deciding what hardware needed to be created for it, and then creating that hardware, and then talking to the market every step of the way to make sure by the time we brought it to market, it was what everyone wanted. And so that is the genesis of SmartAC.com. And now we have a team of 35 and growing rapidly. So when you say talking to the market, that's 100% the way to do it, I believe. And just work on your concepts with potential customers. How did you do that with a, maybe first you should describe the product, what it exists for hardware and software too. So when we study the market, quote unquote, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about just HVAC industry, talking to contractors themselves. It became obvious that things had not changed a lot over the last five, six decades. We actually, I remember sitting down with Terry Nicholson and learning about Jim Abrams and how he came up with maintenance agreements and how important that was to these businesses. And so what we did was study basically what drives the EBITDA of these companies, what are the key KPIs of growth and how they drive the bottom line. And then we purpose-built a platform around those metrics effectively. So what we did was we understood very quickly that maintenance agreements were such a huge component of growing the business. And that those agreements, homeowners would say yes to those agreements about 20, 30% of the time. And so very quickly, we were like, well, one of the main KPIs was how do we make that 20%, 60%, 70%, 80%. And then also homeowners sign up for these plans for a variety of different reasons. But the goal is to keep that customer until there's a day where they're very valuable, generally for a big ticket item, like a replacement system or a water heater or something like that. And so we literally started with that premise and then said, what data do we have to go get to be able to give enough value to the homeowner to where they just, once they're on the platform and they understand if you've made everything about their taking care of their system easy, where they'll never leave. And how do we do that? And so that ended up being real simple sensors to be able to give the homeowner and the contractor a heads up if something is headed for a breakdown and then taking care of things like scheduling and air filters and live chat and loyalty rewards and many of the things that were actually incorporated somewhat into plans, but just putting them all in an app effectively. I mean, we could talk all day about what the platform does, but at the end of the day, the reason we made it was to help contractors acquire, get the yes from the homeowner that, yes, I want that plan with that technology and then retain that relationship and then monetize that customer on the day where there's a big margin to be had. One more question for me, and then I'll turn it over to Eric. But this seems to me to add some time back to the contractor's clock, if you will. Is that something that you're seeing happen? Yeah. So in other words, the bandwidth. Thank yeah. you. We're using a tech term that this guy from True Tech Tools can't even think of in the moment. <laughs> no, that's fine. 
yeah, look, like I said, we could go all day on some of the where the value of utilizing the platform lies. Certainly, one of the values that's important is that you're giving that customer value all year long, even when the tech isn't there. And so, yes, it's way better to have a tech at your house taking care of the system and seeing what's going on twice a year than it is zero times a year. But what's even better than that is having that visibility and understanding how well the system's operating 365 days a year. And so we certainly always tell our partners we're on board with you trying to sell a couple of visits a year to the house. Maybe with the technology that becomes one visit a year to the house. But if the homeowner says no to those things, let's still get something. And so there are opportunities to have relationships with monitoring only. And then when you really lean into that concept, like even just in a model, before you even think about doing it, the bandwidth that you get back and for having the average trips to a maintenance agreement go from two to one to 0.8 to 0.7, all of a sudden you just have so much more bandwidth for agreements and everyone would love to triple the amount of agreements they have. And so when you combine technology making the overall technician bandwidth to keep a customer loyal going down dramatically, while at the same time signing up way more agreements because the value of the plans goes up dramatically, those two things combining is really the entire value of the platform to the contractor. And then, of course, there's value to the homeowner as well, different value. But yeah, so that's something, Bill, that's controversial. And so we don't start there generally, but every single person leading a team of salespeople or selling techs or would much rather see 2,000 homes a year once than 1,000 homes a year twice. So certainly that is the future of the industry. When the other 364 days are covered, when you're not there, then one visit a year checks a lot of boxes. But that was a power user principle that we're jumping into real early there. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's important to bring those things out and really highlight that to potential users and say, hey, what can this really do? And I'm really the nuts and bolts guy here because I've been out in the field and done a lot of stuff. I've sold the maintenance agreements. So I'm excited to hear about this and just learn more about it so that I know when I'm talking to our customers or other people in the industry, okay, what's going on out here? I like to keep track of a lot of those things. When we talk about monitoring, who actually owns those sensors that are in the house? And then who monitors them? And where does that data go once it's gathered? Yeah, so I'll walk you through how that works. So the product's most times bundled into a maintenance agreement, or it could be included on a new install as well, but it gets in the home. So the data is going to the contractor and to the homeowner in a truncated fashion. So that allows the contractor to be the hero when something goes wrong, but also the homeowner to stay in the loop and have transparency. So then when something goes wrong, the contractor can reach out and say, hey, we noticed this. Your systems had a problem, started yesterday. It's getting worse today. How would you like to handle that? And so it really takes that relationship and makes it more consultative, gives more transparency to the homeowner. And then is able to let those technicians sell armed with that data. It's not an adversarial situation. So armed maybe isn't the right word. But when the homeowner can see that something went wrong and then when you fix it, they can see it come back in healthy frame. That is really powerful for keeping them in the loop. So being in this space, in this market, Eric and I, for a while, we've seen a few products come through and heard of products that are trying to launch in this area. And I've come to the opinion that knowing everything is too much. But knowing just enough can really enable you. I think that's where you're at. Can you talk a little bit to that point? Yeah. So our mantra is that it's kind of like a smoke detector. You still have to send the fire department. You're not going to put the fire out remotely. 
but you don't really care what room it's in. The fire department needs to go. We focus on fault detection. I do believe eventually we will be able, with some machine learning and big data, get to diagnosing some things remotely and making sure you're sending the perfect tech for the job. But right now, you're already going to send a different tech for a water leak than you are for a 12-year-old system that broke down. And so we really want to accomplish the correct experience for the homeowner, which is catching things early. And so for us, just enough data is just enough data to be able to understand when something goes wrong. Not necessarily know exactly what it is, but directionally, potentially, but know that something's wrong. The homeowner doesn't expect you to do anything remotely. They just, if you can be there before they lose comfort, that in and of itself is a massive value proposition, as opposed to them frantically calling you when they get back home from work at 6 p.m., trying to get you out so their family is comfortable by bedtime. And so seeing that breakdown at 1 p.m. and then calling them, calling their attention to it remotely, and then meeting them when they leave for home an hour early from work so that they can have comfort back is a really next level experience for homeowners and then is driving the what's important for contractors as well. Very nice. What data are you actually monitoring with this? What are you looking at and how are you applying that to a system? We're getting temperature data, pressure data, humidity data, all of this at 20 second granularity. Our algorithms are looking at those changes, of course, over time to know when a cycle happens because we're not tied into the thermostat or tied into the system even. We just have sensors on the supply vent in the return vent, where the return air is, and then in the overflow pan of the evaporator. It's amazing what you can do with that data. Like early on when we were doing research, we had conversations with Jim Bergman and we said, hey, look, we know, actually I told him what it was that we had built and cringed because I thought for sure he was going to lay into me. And I really did. I remember where I was when that happened. I had rehearsed how that was going to go in my mind for a few years because we built this in stealth. And so I was really tickled when he was like, this is great. It's what you need to do the job and not more, right? And it's easy and it's fast. The goal from day one was how do we make this cost effective? Because the other products were just two, three, four hundred dollars $400. And how do we make it easy? The other products were an hour install. And so we've accomplished zero down, 10 bucks a month for the platform and less than 10 minutes to install. I mean, I can do it now in like five it's like three minutes to put the sensors in place and then a minute or two to put it online through the app. So we did accomplish what we were set out to do. And now our goal is to sprint to a million homes as fast as possible. So how is that sprint going? It's a slow moving industry, as you guys know. The key important part of any new adoption is getting the early adopters and the big players that see the future and lean in to new products early. And so we've been very fortunate to have a number of very big players partner with us, invest, advise. And we thought really early on, who are the four or five people that move the industry? And Jim Bergman was one of those people. And there were some others. Ken Goodridge was one of those as well. And so we've been fortunate to really have a lot of success with the people that are influential, that will adopt and test technology early. And those people saw the vision that we had and agreed with it. And so that has been really exciting because we are largely outsiders In HVAC, not maybe anymore, it's been four or five years, but don't come from the trades. But I think in this case, that was valuable to have a little bit of a fresh perspective and be able to think about the same why, but think about the how a little bit differently. Interesting. So now you guys are integrated with, speaking of Jim Bergman, you mentioned that a couple of times. So you're integrated with MeasureQuick. Yeah. 
how does that integration work together and what are the two products really doing together? Yeah. So Jim has a passion, of course, for all of these data things and the output of what you can do with it. And so Jim is all about commissioning through MeasureQuick and then monitoring with SmartAC. And so at the end of the day, the value of MeasureQuick is immense while you're there. And then it ends when you leave. It starts back when you're back on site. And so baselining the health of the system through MeasureQuick is very valuable. But using SmartAC to monitor that baseline over time just makes the fact that you baseline even more valuable. So you're basically taking the value proposition of MeasureQuick and then extending it into all the time because you're using the monitoring technology to compare back to the baseline. And so our integration allows the actual installation of our sensors to happen in the workflow of MeasureQuick because it's they're taking their readings at the same place we take ours. And so you're already at those positions. Go ahead and slap the sensors in at the same time. And so we have many customers that use both platforms and it just makes it easier for them to utilize MeasureQuick's interface to be commissioning the system and then be doing our process of installing the sensors at the same time. And then we even have some things on the roadmap of using those health reports and servicing those through technology to the homeowners and things of that nature as well. But it was a match made in heaven real early. And when Jim was a, after he put us through the ringer of all the research for God knows how long. He would never do that. It has really blossomed into a great relationship. Jim's an incredible guy on top of it. And the whole team there is amazing. So we love those guys. In other words, you're taking measure quick as the baseline and you're getting continuous data to compare against rather than a measure quick report of two times a year or once a year, which it becomes way easier to create a trend line from your data at that point. Because when you have that continuous trend line, now suddenly you can see exactly when something breaks down. Does somebody leaving a window open in the house, maybe somebody put a new couch in the house and they decided to stick it on top of a vent or a register and that changes the whole performance of the system because now you have a continuous data stream coming at it. Now you can tell, which to me, just listening to it, that And thinking about how homeowners live in their houses and figuring out problems has sometimes been very challenging because as a technician, we get calls out to go fix somebody says, oh, it doesn't work right. It doesn't work the same as it used to. And then you have to start going, okay, what changed? When did this change? And oftentimes the homeowner doesn't know or they don't know exactly when. But if we have a continuous data stream coming in, now we can say, oh, it changed at 4.57 p.m. on... June the 1st, what did you get put in then? There's two things the homeowner should care about. The homeowner cares that they don't lose comfort. And then they care about how much does it cost for me to operate this equipment. And then they care about if they have to replace it one day, they want to try to mitigate that risk as much as possible. But the two main things you can accomplish from the homeowner's standpoint is that, number one, we're going to try to catch anything before you lose comfort. And number two, instead of that happening over weeks and months, I mean, very often, if you have a refrigerator leak, you might have your system operating way more time per day than it has to for weeks or months, and you're not even going to notice anything was wrong until the day you lose comfort. But the day you lose comfort, that system might literally be running 24 hours a day. And so you have this progression over time where all of that area under the curve of power generation is money, and it's the equipment laboring, which systems last 12 years 
partially because people don't ever keep an eye on them. And so there is value for the homeowner extending the life of that equipment and most importantly, just not ever losing comfort. And then that's the value to the homeowner, of course, very different value to the contractor. But certainly having that visibility remotely changes the entire way that a homeowner can interact with comfort. Perfecting the experience of home comfort is our mission statement. And so that overlaps with having great contractors to service those relationships, of course, as well. Interesting to cater to the very small population of people like me. Do you actually publish that area under the curve? (laughs) That is always a difficult thing to understand because you can't run two parallel universes of what would have happened and what did happen. And really, we don't actually change the way the system operates like in real time, we just call attention to one that's not operating well so that it can be changed. So we de facto are changing how the unit's running just by calling attention to a system not performing well. It is difficult to quantify that. And because of that, we don't really have metrics where we tell our partners to tell homeowners, you can save 30% on. But even just understanding when to replace your air filters through the pressure and the information that we gather, there are savings as a function of the new world we create. It's just not literally changing the C rating of the EER rating of the system. Without getting much into anything proprietary, and please stop me if we do, there are probably certain like allowable deviations in these sensors. We're real precise. I actually... I don't mean in the quality of the sensor. I mean in the data coming from it before you say, hey, pay attention. And do you have a soft flag and then harder flags? So there's a big difference between how you are going to treat the data depending on the time of year. So if it's the hottest day of the year and you're taking inbound traffic like crazy, you're not going to go to that system that's got a nine degree split where the homeowner's comfortable and make sure they take care of it now. But if it's March and it's not yet the hottest time of the year and that system's operating with a nine degree split when it's 85 degrees outside in Texas, well, then you know that's going to be a call at some point. And really what you want to do is give that homeowner a great experience and then create bandwidth on the hottest day of the year to take new homeowners. And so, yes, we have what we call a watching category where it's not yet urgent, but on a slow day when you're trying to keep your guys busy, this is a customer you should focus on. And when you have 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 units in the field, knowing which 200 you should be focused on and right now is incredibly valuable because not only is that the customer who's going to have a negative experience with their HVAC equipment that you can head off, but it's also where the most revenue can be had. And so one of two things happens. You either call the homeowner and it creates a demand call and you go there and take care of it, or it doesn't create a demand call. They say, hey, I'm fine. The system's running 12 hours a day, but I haven't lost comfort. I'm okay. And then three weeks later, they're advocates of the technology for the rest of time. And they know that you did everything you could to warn them about that potential loss of comfort. We don't always create a demand call that first interaction, but the value of building that consultative relationship with the homeowner, you definitely do get when you call their attention to what you see in the dashboard. So contractors literally making calls. Do you have like a training for how to handle a call? Yeah, we do. It is different. Generally forever, the demand was created by the homeowner losing comfort and they called in and they're frantically trying to get it back. And those are still the best calls, no doubt. But when you have a maintenance agreement, you already have a relationship with that customer and you are offering them a very different value, similar value, but a different value of, hey, we have your back. We're going to watch this in early detection. And so that's a totally different call. And it doesn't have to be, hey, something's wrong. We need to come fix it now. Many times that isn't what it is. It's, hey, 
your split on your cooling was 15 degrees on average for the last three months. Today, it was eight. Yesterday, it was 11. It is headed the wrong direction. And so it's Friday right now. We'd love to head this off before the weekend so that you don't have to worry about your dinner party. And so it's a different relationship on that call. And we do train people on how to make those calls. And frankly, we're in the process of automating some of that conversations with push notifications and technology to where eventually AI will be able to shepherd that relationship with the homeowner until it is demand. Saying the homeowner, hey, we recommend this, but if you don't want to do it, no problem. Three weeks later, hey, it's gotten a little worse. We recommend this. If you don't want to do it, no problem. Eventually, the homeowner says, okay, yeah, I just looked. It's running 14 hours today. Let's take care of it. And then AI can shepherd that relationship to create a demand call. And that really is where where our roadmap is going. We want to be able to say, you put the product in the house and demand calls come out the bottom, like in the funnel. That's the way their business operates now. And the more that we can let the technology do some of that shepherding of the relationship, the easier it is on the contractor to simply do what they do best, which is go monetize demand calls. When you said 85 degrees in March, I'm like, where the heck is this guy from? And then I realized, yeah, you're in Texas. So that has me thinking differently. Does this work with heating? Yeah, it does. Heating, same way. So if you're calling, it's more generally, you're going to see, obviously, it's going to be obvious if the system, if the fire doesn't kick on, but you're going to see that same split, right? It'll be 35 degrees, 45 degrees, whatever it is from the heater. And so you're measuring those same things. And that those can be really big for damage, especially in like second homes. If you have a snowbird that's down in Florida and they have a house up north, I mean, they want to know if they're losing heat or the house could be, if you're like in frozen Montana, yeah, yeah, it could be negative 30 degrees and your heater goes out. That would be bad for the health of the home, of course. So yeah, it's all the same things for heating. And we actually have many very large clients that are just up north, very far, a long way from Texas. Got it. That's a big problem when you have snowbirds or somebody that has a second house. And there are a lot of those customers out there that we have to deal with in the HVAC arena. When notifications come in, they go direct to the homeowner first, or do they go to the contractor first? Or you mentioned there was an escalation. Yeah. So we listened to our customers. The contractor said, look, we want to be the hero. This was years ago. And that made sense. So like, let's give them the ability to do that outbound approach that we just talked about it and call the homeowner's attention to it. And you can set up like, hey, I want to be able to live with that for 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours before anything goes to the homeowner. But if it's a filter alert, like they don't want that in their dashboard. So that goes to the homeowner. If it's a water leak, it goes to both at the same time. And so there was some thought process put into every style alert and how would the data flow alerts best suit the interests of the contractor first, admittedly, because they're really our customer. But then also, how do we take care of the important things for the homeowner as well? That's interesting to hear that you've got a different flow of data depending on the type of alert. Because a lot of times we see that as binary. It's like all the data is going to go here, all the data is going to go there, and we're just going to get it going one direction. But that's interesting. Yeah, well, most platforms don't even have really any interface with the homeowner. Not one that's meaningful, at least, or usable. Or So having that ability to have the homeowner using the application and us, we haven't mentioned this, but the brand of the contractor is on the home screen. They're front and center. So at the end of the day, one of the main value propositions is just that the homeowner sees the contractor as their company for HVAC and plumbing. I have a company, this is my company. That check mark in their mind is really important. And to do that, you have to have a technology and an interface for a homeowner that they value. That they, sure, they're not going to use daily or weekly, but when something goes wrong, that's when they log in to go take care of it. So how does a contractor get started? 
Hopefully they're listening to this podcast. I mean, there's probably three of them out there, right, Eric? <laughs> At least. <laughs> All three of them. We usually start with a real easy Zoom call, walk them through some visuals. It's a hell of a lot easier to understand what we're talking about when you can see something on the screen, of course. So we walk through a real quick overview of the platform, and then very quickly, we want them to just pick up a couple of units to start testing. Very quickly, they can understand the install process and how easy that is. They can see the homeowner experience in their own homes. And then we can pull up the dashboard, show them what the entire enterprise platform looks like. And so our goal with any relationship is to show them, even with three to six units, let's say, everything they could have across all their homes. And before we even talk about partnering, we want them to understand our platform. And so that discovery takes usually a couple, two or three weeks. And then it's like, how are you going to use it? Are you going to put it on maintenance agreements? Are you going to offer a one-visit plan or monitoring only in conjunction with your more traditional two-visit plan? Are you going to put it on new equipment? Right? Are you going to greenfield a new market with it? All of these things are being done. So it's just a function of what do they want to accomplish? And so there's no right or wrong answers, and there's different right answers for different clients. And so if we have a 10 truck shop, they're going to usually go about a different than a hundred truck shop. And we want to be great partners for all of those entities, of course. Is a business ever too small to consider this? The answer would be no. I wouldn't say they're too small. If they haven't yet invested in like a CRM to like operate their business, then realistically, they're going to get more value out of thinking about that first. But if you're on service tight now, or you're on that or a similar comp, and you are now looking for the next layer of how technology can help you grow, then that really ends up being the right. So if I'm spitballing, if you got one or two trucks, probably a little early. But if you're at eight to 10 plus, then it's right in the wheelhouse. And obviously, the people that have 10 trucks today are the people with 20 trucks next year in many situations, and especially if they work with us, because obviously, growth is the main thing we focus on with our partners. You've mentioned plumbing a couple times. Yeah. Are you foreshadowing something? Uh, no, no. So you already do that. So the goal of our platform is to check the box that for the homeowner in their mind that they have a company for HVAC and plumbing. If you only do HVAC, it's just for HVAC, but we can help you get into plumbing. And the way we do that is the water sensor that goes in the evaporator drain pan is a sensor that you can add on more. So you can put a water sensor in the drain pan of the water heater. You can put it under a sump pump. You can put it in the basement. You can put it under a sink. And we actually even have a little snap-on cable where you can add a cable and run it around equipment or do whatever you want. So it really becomes effectively the most cost-effective plumbing water detection platform as well. I mean, we sell these sensors for like $30. You can grab the entire home for HVAC and plumbing for 10 bucks a month plus, I don't know, 60 to $90 additional in a couple of sensors. And then you have a stranglehold on both of those most valuable trades. And so we already do that. Now, we don't have a whole home water shutoff valve. We didn't make one. We're going to partner with some people and incorporate that into our dashboard as well. But for water leak detection or water detection for clogged drains and things like that, we already can cover the whole home. You can put up to eight sensors on each hub. So that's five additional water sensors on top of each three to start with in the main pack. Is there a hub where all this comes together and then reports to the internet? Yep. Real simple to put that online with SSID and password, of course, or with direct plugging it in or with WPS as well. So three different ways of putting online real easy. It takes a few minutes. That was actually going to be my next question there was how many sensors can you put on one hub? Because I was looking at the layout of this beforehand just to familiarize myself with the product. So the hub I'm guessing is that's where it connects to either Wi-Fi or will it plug in directly to like a router or something like that if they don't want to run it on Wi-Fi? 
Yeah, you can plug it right in as well. And the reason we split those things up is because the radio technology we use allows the AA batteries that run these things to last a year and a half, two years. And we actually have some long life battery packs you can add and walk away for six or seven years. So for different business use cases, you may use different hardware, but just the AA batteries, are you're able to get that year and a half, two years. So the radio keeps the battery life great on the sensors, sends it to the hub, and then the hub is plugged in, of course, and the hub sends it to the cloud. So the architecture was set up to facilitate long battery life at 20-second granularity of data and sending a lot of data. And so we spent a long time on the hardware to make sure that we could accomplish that goal of making sure that even if you're there only once a year, you're there to change the batteries for the homeowner if need be. Interesting. So is there essentially, I'm going to say machine, some sort of learning protocol in this? So when you install this initially, you first turn the system on with the smart AC sensors installed, it's going to say, okay, I'm in new startup mode. It essentially benchmarks itself at that point and then looks for changes from that point. It does. Yeah. So for instance, we'll pick a real easy example. Like we have a space alert temp and some people set the thermostat at 68. Some people set it at 78. And so what we're doing is looking at what is normal in this home and then running that average of the average in the last 30 days was this house is at 74 degrees. And so our goal is to be able to alert the homeowner to that pretty early and the contractor as well. If it's never been above 74 in the house for the first 45 days and all of a sudden what's at 77, then we want to call their attention to that early. And so that's one example. Of course, the Delta T splits are another example of that. And just seeing how the runtime of the system is in certain outdoor conditions. Of course, we're taking into account the outdoor conditions as well and how the system's operating. So it's not rocket science. You can see very quickly when something goes wrong, especially if it's a failure to start. I mean, you're going to see that in, in less than an hour many times, depending on how hot it is outside. But yeah, there's a lot that goes in the algorithms. We have an entire team here in the data science side that's just working on that. And it is in our roadmap to more and more be incorporating AI and machine learning so that you drop it in a house. Yes, it needs a little time to calibrate. But then from that point on, after the first few weeks, you have a pretty good idea about what you should be seeing. And when something, when an outlier happens, you're able to call attention to that quickly. Can I shift the discussion a little bit more to where we started in was running a startup? Yeah. Can you, you describe what that means for people who might not be familiar with it? Yeah. So startups are hard. As a CEO, you're constantly thinking about where are we going to be a year from now and two years from now while trying to understand where you need to be in two months from now or two weeks from now or two days from now. And then fundraising is a big part of that. If you're a venture-backed startup, it takes time, especially if you have hardware, to get to profitability. And so you're just always focused on Making sure you have a couple of years plus of runway, runway is what you call it, enough money to keep going, if you will. And then my biggest job is recruiting the right people on the team, making sure that the culture here is very strong. We've hit a home run there. And then trying to make sure that we can have the right people to partner with. We are very selective, honestly, about the types of organizations we partner with, more selective than most people would be at our current state of growth, just because we want a long-term relationship with these partners. I mean, if they Many times people are looking at deploying tens of thousands of units. And so they're doing diligence on us to make sure how many millions of dollars do you guys have in the bank to be able to make sure you have continuity as well. Because if you're going to move your entire organization to utilizing this technology, that's an important thing for them as well. So yeah, startups are a combination of sales, fundraising, recruiting, technology, product. All of us here 
touch a lot of different things and going from three or four or five people that we were five years ago to 35 is a lot of challenges as well. Ends up being a people game along the way as well. Obviously, you see the data to some extent of everything that's going on. Are there regional characteristics to the deployment? Certainly. You have some markets where they don't even really value if you have a heat pump package unit on a roof or something, they're not going to even value the water sensor. So they may deploy that in a water heater drain pan or something. Up north, their business models can be very different. They have different types of clients. If we're talking to somebody in Florida, they might have their entire customer base that snowbirds and they just have different needs for six months out of the year than everybody else. And so we start with trying to understand our potential customer. And then we focus on the value of our platform that we think would be best for that type business model. But very often we find out we're wrong and they have something they care about more. It's different. And then we just go wherever they lead us in that way. But yeah, certainly these entities are care about some of these customers, their entire businesses just revolves around maintenance agreements. Some of the businesses don't really do that many of them. And it's all about new business and advertising. And so, yeah, there are totally different things that we are always working on with different clients. I'm going to scrape just a little deeper under the surface on how do you manage the information flow? Because it sounds like you're constantly learning and you have to learn to communicate what tools are you using there. So that's what's fun about the software side. Like if you came to me at an idea and say, we want to add this hardware feature to Smart AC, it would take a year and a half to have whatever we came up with live. But with software, it's not like that, right? If somebody says, hey, I need this feature. I'm about to deploy this to two or 3,000 homes, and I can't do it without this feature. Then we can drop other priorities and make that feature in three weeks. I mean, it can happen. Usually it's a little bit more than three weeks. But yeah, I mean, we can be iterating. And so we embrace the fact that we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. And as and really, we're far enough along to where there isn't as much things we don't know, but we're still surprised here and there. And so with software, you can be very nimble. And so... There's a lot of ways to utilize the data. There's a lot of use cases. And we're constantly trying to listen to our customers to find out what we should build next when it comes to how to utilize either the data coming off the system or sometimes just the relationship via the app with the homeowner. And that's a totally different side of the business. It's just about customer interface. And so we have a lot of things coming down the pipe, integrations with other products and even like financing through the app, like making things easy to transact and lots of different value through the platform. But yes, if either of you guys have any great ideas, we'd love to hear those too. Sure. We'll be sure to reach out. Well, I'm sure between the two of us, we'll come up with some ideas somewhere. Bill and I are always thinking about something. You had a really nice exhibit display at the HR Expo. Any other places people will find you and your team and the product? Yeah. We will be at every show this fall and spring and in the winter. You'll be able to see us there for sure. The best place online is probably hvac.smartac.com. It's a page that's just tailored at the value of the platform to contractors, hvac.smartac.com. People are welcome to email me at any time if they'd like to chat, josh at smartac.com. And we've got a team of four or five people on the business development side, but I definitely get involved in some of the larger relationships and really enjoy doing that. My favorite thing is the psychology around selling to homeowners. So that's where I get involved when they're trying to think about how to transition their current customers to smart maintenance contracts or how to sell more to new people. But yeah, we're around and we'll be doing a talk. Really, We're excited about a talk that Andy and I are doing at Pantheon coming up as well about the value of maintenance agreements and how to turbocharge that value with technology. And so, yeah, we'll be around and look forward to engaging with anybody who would like to learn more. 
Sounds good. Eric, any final questions? I think I've asked uh, about all the questions my brain has in today. But Okay. <laughs> Josh, it's been great having you on the show, and I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about the product. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you, gentlemen. Eric, Bill, it was a pleasure, and we'll see you guys at the next conference. I've seen you guys everywhere we've been so far, I feel like. so. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's a production of True Tech Tools Limited. In full disclosure, I'm an owner of True Tech, and the opinions voiced here are those of my guests or myself, depending on who is speaking, of course. If you're in the market for tools or test instruments mentioned in the podcast, take a look at truetechtools.com, T-R-U-T-E-C-H-T-O-O-L-S.com. You can use the offer code HVACBS for a nice discount. Take note, we do not sell the Smart AC system. You buy that direct from Smart AC, the topic of this interview. Want to give a shout out to all the great people I've met over the years and trade-related resources and influencers. And this time I'm going to read it from the bottom up of the list. The HVAC Grapevine, Misfits of HVAC, HVAC Chicks, MeasureQuick, AC Service Tech, HomeDiagnosis.tv, HVACR Videos, HVAC Overtime, Quality HVAC, Service Business Mastery, Tool Pros, HVAC Reefer Guy, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Shop Talk, and HVACR School, of course. I want to thank you for listening. If you're not a subscriber, please click the subscribe button in your podcast app. And we hope to have you back again listening to future episodes of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Thanks again. Take care and have a great day.